Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to Opera Box Score. Wherever you are, however you're listening, hey, thanks for putting America's Talk radio show about opera in your earballs. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by co-host Tobias Wright. We are live in studio on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. We are streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop up, and we are available as a podcast on iTunes. 847-866-WNUR is the number in the studio. Call us. You get to sound off live on air on what we're talking about. 847-866-9687. All right. Tonight in our Chalk Talk segment, we reveal what happens when you're an opera singer and you lose your voice. What happens to your performance that night? What happens to your career the next day? English baritone Simon Keenleyside just talked about this to the New York Times. Find a link to that article on our website, operaboxscore.com. Then in 15 minutes, Monday evening quarterback returns with our creative consultant and co-host Oliver Camacho. He puts on his prettiest blouse to attend two opening nights, Das Rheingold, the first opera of Wagner's Ring Cycle at Lyrica Opera of Chicago, and Frank Martin's opera, Le Vin Herbe, at Chicago Opera Theater. And at the bottom of the hour, you get all your opera headlines in the two-minute drill. Plus, we crunch the numbers and look at some of the most common baritone arias sung in auditions, as well as a few of the outliers. Stats courtesy of Kim Whitman at Wolf Trap Opera. You can find a link to them on operaboxscore.com. Oh, my God, this show is loaded. Tobias Wright. George, something that you failed to mention. Yes. Happy birthday. Aww. It is George's 22nd birthday today. <laughs> that's true. A lady never reveals her age. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Happy birthday, man. It's Thanks, good to be man. here. I, you know, I, I couldn't think of a better place to be. I, I always work on my birthday. I feel like you're lying. No, no, seriously, man. I work on my birthday every year. Usually I'm rehearsing. I'm not directing this fall, doing the show instead. There we go. So Not a bad place to be. And uh, it's a beautiful fall day, and it's... Your birthday, so happy birthday. It's been a great week. My Michigan Wolverines pulled out a huge win over the Wisconsin Badgers on Saturday. Did you watch that game? I did. Uh, I have to tell you, Jim Harbaugh is the man. And there was a time, yeah. actually, okay, it's a botched. This is probably my my most, uh, I don't even know, my most painful moment as a sports fan. Go on. Is knowing that the University of Kansas almost hired Jim Harbaugh to be their head coach. Did they really? They did. It was 2009. Wow. And um, and the athletic director at KU at the time didn't allow... He had Harbaugh agreed in principle, right? Yeah. So Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh was going to be the head coach at KU, the okay. University of Kansas. Think about that. That's a big deal. And he wanted to coach the bowl game at Stanford, and, I, and the athletic director at Kansas said, no, I want you here now. And so Jim Harbaugh was like, well, good riddance to you. I'm Jim Harbaugh. And the rest is history. And that you know guy who blew it? Do you know who Kansas hired? No, because exactly. Kansas is a nothing. <laughs> exactly, George. You don't. <laughs> Kansas is a nothing D, dude. And, and and now you get Jim Harbaugh, and he's going to win a national championship in the next five years. Yeah, he's he's intense. He's very. He's intense. got broken fingers that he never got fixed, and they point the wrong direction. <laughs> Man, that's why I love football. I have broken fingers too, and like they're just fat. And like someday my wife's going to be like, "What do you do?" And I'm going to be like, "I hope she doesn't sound like that though." But she's going to look at him, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, these sausage fingers. I broke them all playing football because I'm from Kansas." Is she going to talk opera with you? God, I hope so. <laughs> Let's talk opera. <laughs> Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist and Tobias Wright. 
Opera Box Score on WNUR right here. So the show is going to be called On the DL. And no, I don't mean down low. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, I'm George? I'm disabled list. I'm on a disabled list. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Disabled Look. list. Back to you. Also, happy birthday, George. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, 26 welcome. today. Yeah. Uh, I uh, look. I don't want to get too technical here, but uh, I do want to talk about what happens when people get injured singing. Sure. Tobias, set it up for us. How is the vocal apparatus constructed? And I know we're not looking at a picture here. Right. Um. You know, there are a couple different ways to describe it. It. it singing is very physical, and there's so many parts of your body that are involved. I think if you break it down really simply, though, you need to know a few things if you're a non-singer. Uh, to sing, people are always like, "Oh, can you teach me to sing?" Well, yeah, I can actually. So, first you got, yeah, first thing you have to do is be able to breathe. Okay. And reason being, if you're not breathing, what happens? You die. So, same with singing. If you're not breathing, you can't sing. Um, so you have your lungs involved. You have what's called your larynx, and your larynx is. Uh, Oh God, there's so many pedagogues that are out there like, mm, tell me about the larynx, you, you <laughs> minion. Talk dirty to me about the larynx. <laughs> but the larynx essentially is what houses uh, the vocal mechanism. And there's a lot of really intricate parts that go into the anatomy of it all. But essentially what it is is you have this little thing that we'll call our voice box. Mm-hmm. Um, air goes through it. Air comes back out of it. And if you think of it like a kazoo, the, better, the more uh, fluid air comes out, the better sound you're going to be, blah, blah, blah. Now... The sound actually is, um, you have vocal vocal cords. Some people call them vocal folds. Some people call them vocal fo- uh, cords. Same um, thing. It, similar. There's yeah. a number of different things going on. I'm not going to get too technical, but when you breathe, air goes through your vocal folds, and when you uh, release that sound out, the continuous vibration that you get is what causes a sound to happen. So the healthier your vocal cords are, mm-hmm. the better your sound is going to be essentially because they're, it's going to, allow uh, healthy vocal cords are going to allow uh, a vibration to be even um, throughout your vocal cords. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Cool. I'm actually genuinely learning something here. So what are some of the things that can go wrong? You know, we're going to get to some of the yeah. injuries that some of the stars of opera have encountered, including focusing on Simon Keenly's side, the baritone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what can go wrong? Well, I think uh, there's an, obviously a number of different things. You know, you can have uh, a cough. So let's say you have a cough and you're just constantly, it's a big heavy cough and it's a dry cough but you're constantly slamming your vocal cords together and and through time that can you can develop a number of different things essentially you can develop a callus okay. um and and like a maria callus like <laughs> <laughs> I love you, and happy birthday. Happy 27th. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Anyway, there's a number of different things that can callus, happen. A callus on a your callus, yeah, and that can happen. And then there's uh, there's um, that can be removed surgically uh, as, a, as a last resort. And technology is advanced to mm-hmm. be able to do that. You know, um, Judy Garland had nodes, or I think, I can't remember exactly what she had, but she had... Alcohol, s- right? Well, I don't know what caused it, but she had vocal surgery to remove yeah. it from her vocal folds yeah. and never was able to fully make a recovery. But technology's changed. So there are a number of different things. I think the biggest thing that singers worry about or the most damaging one is you think of hemorrhaging. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a doctor, but a vocal hemorrhage, they're just tiny little things. And yeah. if there's hemorrhaging, it's such a delicate little yeah. Uh, yeah. part of your body that yeah. it takes time for that to come back. Yeah. Are there? I mean, are there career-ending sure. injuries in opera? Sure. You know what we need to do? Hmm. Not have me talk about it. We got to have a pedagogue on. Next that, time, we, we should do that. That would that be soon. like the least sexy thing I could think of, probably. Oh, but you, you know, never, that, that sounds like a sex ed class. George, you've, really, you've yeah. never met some of the pedagogues I know. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. 
look, uh, so Simon Keenly's so, side yes, is... Yes, these can be career-ending injuries, right. essentially, you know. But it can also be uh, something like what happened here yeah. um, with Mr. Keenly's side, Ms. Simon, uh, that it was more like an ACL injury. Right. Where you, you know, in football, you now we have the medical technology and, and we know how to... Uh, fix these injuries, and it's the same with vocal injuries as well, where we can minimize the time away and we can ex- uh, expedite essentially healing. So he's a fantastic tenor, Simon Keenly. He's been in the business. Baritone. Excuse me, tenor. I'm I'm in last week's show still. Uh, baritone. He's been in the business a long time, uh, and he's just about to sing um, at. The Metropolitan the Met, Opera. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Uh, it's coming up. He's going to be singing Don Giovanni. And I want to play a little clip about what he sounds like now. This is uh, an aria La Cirerem La Mano, which Giovanni sings to uh, Zerlina, who's being played by Serena Malfi in this clip from the upcoming production. Have a listen. Opera Vox score on WNUR. We're talking about injuries in opera. George Cedarquist here with Tobias Wright. So Simon Keenly said he sounds fantastic mm-hmm. there, uh, but he had some real problems. It was two years ago. He was going to be singing uh, in Verdi's Rigoletto at the Vienna State Opera, and he was in rehearsals, and he had a vocal cord injury. Something flared up in, in those vocal cords, and he had to be replaced. Mm-hmm. And in an interview, he said, quote, I felt a tick, and I knew it was gone took him a number of months to record from that, and then he went under thyroid surgery, mm-hmm. also related to the voice, which kept him off stage for another 10 months. Yeah. So, yeah, essentially he did that, and you think about these injuries, and I don't, I don't think that they were related necessarily, Yeah. but uh, he had to relearn how to sing. Right. And there's no other way around that, you know, and it's a slow process. And he mentions that. I really encourage all the singers listening to go read this article because he mentions it at the end. He said, you know, I had to make a decision. Uh, and that decision was, do I really want it? And he does. And you can hear um, 
you can hear the voice right there. And what what's kind of cool is you can hear him making different colors. And I think hmm. if you can make a different color with an evenness, like he did, obviously here, um, then clearly you're you're back in control and you have the strength. And this is Don Giovanni. Uh, not an easy opera for any of the singers. And I th- I yeah. love when people are like, oh, it's Mozart. Young singers should be singing Mozart. Well, dude, it's also like, it's hard to sing. Mozart knew what he was doing for the voice, and he, you have to be on top of your game to be able to do it. The production is directed by <clears throat> Michael Grandage. It looks kind of dopey. I mean, for me, it's in my, my opinion, everyone's in period dress, and, and you know that's not my thing. But not your thing? He, he does sound fantastic. What's funny is that there's... Hey, wait, a- I have a question. Yeah, go Did ahead. you ever see the Saturday Night Live where Will Ferrell was... Uh, uh, Robert Goulet. You know, for the first time ever, I watched Saturday Night Live two days ago. I'd never seen it before. Okay, we'll discuss this later. Anyway, do you know who Will Ferrell is? <laughs> yes, I do, vaguely. Well, he does this thing, Robert Goulet. <laughs> and, and I always, when, the first time I did Don Giovanni, yeah. I always walked around. I mean, I was Don Ottavio, so I was singing the tenor role, but right. I, <laughs> I loved singing La Chirem da Mano. Okay. Like Robert, <laughs> La Chirem da Mano. Like, I, I don't know what that's going to sound like on the radio, but I oh hope somebody out there knows that Will Ferrell did Robert Goulet on Saturday Night Live, and I want them to think about him singing La Chirem da Mano. Okay. Do you know, other singers, I mean, cancel at a moment's notice. Rolando Villazon, the tenor, has had a lot of problems over the years. He was out of singing for a number of years. Mm-hmm. He turned to uh, directing for a while. He's back in the business now. Jonas Kaufmann has canceled performances this year in Berlin, Budapest, Munich, and he is now out of the November production of Tales of Hoffman uh, in Paris. Uh, apparently that's because of a, um, a small vein in his vocal cords burst. Uh, Roberto Alagna is... Uh, going under the knife for sinus surgery at the end of November. So he's out of the Trovatore, Verdi Trovatore, mm-hmm. at the Royal Opera House. So I think what you learn here is that I think this just really reiterates how demanding it is to sing opera. Yeah. And that's what that's the thrill. And I, that's the thrill as a listener. It, it can go wrong. And right. it is pushing the physical limits of the human body. No question. And I don't think people are like, ah, opera's boring. I'm like, BS. You haven't listened to it. You haven't been to an opera performance. You haven't heard someone sing Verdi who wrote in the Passaggio. And the Passaggio, for those who don't know, you have a lower voice, you have a high voice in the middle, there's this place, and every singer will tell you it's really flipping hard to yeah. sing there. But Verdi knew that, and he knew when it was done right, it sounded thrilling. Do you, don't you think, though, that these singers tend to cover up their injuries? You know, like a cat. Yeah. A cat is very good at hiding when it's sick. And it why seems, is that? Well, it seems to me these singers have to cover up their injuries because they don't want to get fired. And because they're being paid to uh, to perform. Right. They're being and not, if you they don't, don't get paid to if rehearse. You, and a lot of people don't know this. If you don't go on as an opera singer, you don't get a check. And that's just the business. I mean, in a lot of places like old school opera houses, and I haven't—I can only speak to the opera houses that I've worked in. um, But you know, at the end of the second act or whatever, if there's one intermission, it's an intermission after you've completed half the show. That's when you get paid. When you've shown you're going to go on and you're going to deliver the product. And it's the same if you think about it, George. Why do guys? Why did guys? You know, we've talked a lot. It's football season, and I—I love football. Yeah. Why do you guys hide concussions, or why did they used to? Oh, because they want to play. Because if you don't play, what happens? We don't get you don't get paid. You man. get cut. You're, yeah, you get cut. You exactly. get cut. 
It's not that you don't play or get paid. You get cut, and then you are unemployed. Yeah, plus those coaches hide those players' injuries all the time anyway. If you look Mm -hmm. at Bill Belichick at— It's a schematic at New England Patriots. Exactly, yeah. Schematic advantage. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just say it's an upper body injury. You're Mm -hmm. not going to be more specific than that. Joe Quenville Mm -hmm. over at the Blackhawks, he does the same thing. He's notorious for saying, like, he's out, he's a scratch, I'm not going to say why. Yeah, and, and you, well, and maybe you don't have to because then if he comes back the next week, whatever. And you think about opera companies, and I think there's, you know, I think singers, there is a little bit of self-preservation that goes on there. But I think more than anything, a singer wants to ensure that when they do go sing, how as a singer, we're very often not at 100%. Mm-hmm. So you got to learn to sing at 90. And you got to know that you've practiced enough that your 90 is still pretty darn good. So when have you had to cover up? I mean, what's been your injury, Tobias? That you've I've, had to you know, sing through or, or have, you've had to say, I can't do this. I've never canceled a performance yet. Um, but you th- reserve the right. Well, someday. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I've never had to uh, uh, not do an engagement. But there are definitely times I've sung where I was like, ah, you know, I hope it. I hope that I've practiced enough that my voice says, okay, we know how to do this. We've done it enough. Mm-hmm. It may not feel as free. It may not feel... Um, as fluid and I may not feel like I'm singing with line and whatever, but I know that with the amount of practice that I do and the amount of practice these singers do at a world-class level who are so much better than what I am, that their body can kind of take over. But that's the scary thing is like when he says he felt the click, you know, your voice intimately great singers, not even great singers. Anyone who's in this business knows their voice intimately. And that's why there's kind of that fear. Like what if one day it just, it's over. I, w- I will say that Simon Keenly's side, having read his website, which is pretty ghetto, actually. I, we can't call it. You know, I, I just, just a tip, buddy. Like, I feel like you should update the website. He says on the website, I'm not into websites, but come on, 2016. He does seem a little accident prone. There's a story about he broke a number of ribs. Six ribs doing yeah. uh, Billy, Billy Bud? Uh, no, it what was, was it? Uh, Wozniak by Berg. Oh, it was. Okay, um, okay. And... Uh, so that was, he just seemed a little accident prone. I don't know. Hey, man, stuff happens. Yeah. I mean, when you get injured, you, I mean, it's like the sports thing, especially in a show. Now, six ribs, though, you can't sing. Yeah. No way when, you can When I got that. hit by a car on my bike, I broke two ribs, and I, I literally couldn't cough, laugh, be hugged by the kids, <laughs> give my kids a hug, sit up, anything. When did that, that happen? Two ribs. That was two Septembers ago. Were you in Chicago? I was in Chicago, yeah. Hmm. So yeah. two September's but ago. There's, there's no DL for this self-employed guy <laughs> over here. <I> tell you. <laughs> Especially not tonight on your birthday. No. Opera box score here on WNUR. We'll be right back. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? First, I had to decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more, so I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy, and giving up impossible. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Today might be the day I drop out of school. But you might be able to stop me. With United Way, you could tutor me, be my mentor, or volunteer to just read with me. 
There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're struggling with your mortgage. You think about it all the time. What are we going to do if we lose the house? It's time to stop thinking and start dialing. Call 1-888-995-HOPE for a free government program that offers expert one-on-one advice about your mortgage options. We've helped over a million homeowners, and we want to help you. Call 1-888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Opera class. Sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho. Oh, yes, and Tobias. Who made the grade? Here's Monday evening quarterback. George Cedarquist here, Opera yes. Box Score <laughs> with Tobias Wright. Oh, I love the new intros. Thanks, Norm. Those are hilarious. I know. Norm is, Norm is so good. earning his courtesy card this week, <laughs> I tell you. Uh, uh, for it, some of our listeners who haven't yeah. heard before, I have complained about the intros, like yeah. when I don't get named. Yeah. It's because I'm a tenor. 847-866-WNUR, the number in the studio. Let us know what you're thinking. Give us a call. Come with, yeah. Call and wish George a happy 29th birthday. Tell us your stories of injury and woe. 847-866-9687 on Twitter at Opera Box Score. Well, over to Oliver Camacho, creative consultant and co-host of the show. He did a double header this weekend and saw two different shows. Sure he did. Uh, I'm going to see both those shows over the coming days. So on the October 10th show, he and I, we might get into it, man. It's going to be good. He and I got into it over the Haymarket show a couple weeks ago, the um, the Haydn. Oh, uh, right, right, right. He and I, it got, it got rough. Well, you know what? On next month, so you and I are going to go see Das Rheingold right. uh, at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. It's the first of the, the new ring cycle. Right. So you and I, we can't talk about it that night, That's and good. then we'll save it for for when we're all together here on the show with Oliver. Let's see what he had to say. I thought it would be great to inject some music into today's broadcast, and my first thought was to try to find Laura Wilde singing Freya, uh, the role that she sings in this current production of Das Rheingold at the Lyric Opera of Chicago. But that doesn't exist. So then I thought, I'm going to look for Samuel Yoon, who's the Korean bass baritone 
singing the role of Alberic in Das Rheingold. And that also doesn't exist yet because he's making his role debut in this production as Alberic. Uh, so the next best thing to find was Wotan. Uh, this is actually Samuel Yoon in a concert of Die Valkyrie from, I don't know when, maybe last year, singing Wotan. I just wanted you guys to hear this guy's voice. Um, it's not like an amazing, like you're never going to forget this voice, but it works. Uh, it's Wagner. He can sing it. And what's even more impressive is Samuel Yoon's uh, ability on stage. The current production of Das Rheingold, uh, directed by David Puntney, uh, requires the Alberich to be very dynamic and nimble on stage. And uh, Samuel Yoon does it so well. He's hilarious in this show. And Laura Wilde steals every scene that she's in. She sings Freya, not really the most important role in the show, but she really makes the case for this character and uh, brings out the humor in this opera, if that's even possible. The production in general is actually hilarious. I never thought I would like and laugh at uh, Wagner as much as I did in this production. And I have to say, I am not a Wagner fan. Most of you who know me know that already, but for those who don't, uh, it's just not my type of music. I like melodies that can fit in four bars. I like coloratura. I like chest notes. I like high notes, all these things. And uh, I was so entertained by this production. So I am highly recommending Lyrics Das Rheingold, which stars Eric Owens making his role debut as Wotan, Tanya Ariana Baumgartner as Fricka, making her American debut, and Oka von der Damerau in the role of Erda, also making her American operatic debut. Uh, the bass Tobias Kerr and uh, Wilhelm Schwinghammer uh, as the Giants uh, making their lyric debuts. The singing categorically was outstanding. Uh, they used a lot of Ryan Opera Center folks uh, to fill out some of the ensemble, uh, notably future Heldon tenor Jesse Donner. The Ryan Center has been presenting Jesse Donner a lot these past couple of months, uh, notably in the Beyond the Aria series and in their concert at Millennium Park. And then again in the Nats Conference concert uh, when Renee Fleming was in town. Um, but this investment seems to be paying off because his singing was so effortless and he seems to be such a nice guy, like a really smiley face. And he's so tall and big that when he's on stage, you can't help but, you know, smile and enjoy him. Jesse Donner, everybody. But I will circle back to Laura Wilde, who is an alumna of the Ryan Opera Center. She is going to have a major career as a soprano. Uh, every time I hear her sing, I'm so impressed. And once again, uh, not an opera that I thought I was going to enjoy as much. And she definitely made it for me. Wagner seems to be on everybody's mind, and Chicago Opera Theater is not doing a Wagner show, but seems to be related to uh, Wagnerism, uh, since Metropolitan Opera is doing Tristan and Isolde as their opening show. Uh, it seems a bit queer that Chicago Opera Theater is doing a version of Tristan and Isolde. Uh, this is the Frank Martin Le Vin Herbe, which they're calling the Love Potion, which is presented in English and is being performed at the Music Box Theater. This might be the first time that an opera is performed at the Music Box. And I applaud Chicago Opera Theater's uh, attempt to branch out and to find smaller venues, more unusual venues, 
and to put people in different atmospheres. Uh, when they did the Ricky and Gordon Orfeo uh, at a swimming pool, uh, it was fantastic. And I'm not sure if they're quite recreating that success, but it was different, definitely, to be inside a movie theater. They built a platform stage and obviously they had a screen available so they could do projections and the projections were beautiful. They didn't really interfere that much with the action on stage. The problems began to arise with the actual stage, which was a platform built uh, up against the movie screen. And they lost a couple of rows up in front of seating. And the actors really have no way of getting on and off stage the way you would with a normal theater. So once the ensemble was on stage, they stayed on for the entire act and then left during the intermission and came back on again for the second act. So the chorus had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And in this case, the chorus... Uh, is the Chicago Opera Theater Young Artist Program, I suspect. Uh, everybody sang really well. And I have to say that, you know, there's no complaint about uh, the actual performances uh, of the leads and of the ensemble. I think a standout uh, is soprano Brittany Lowen, who uh, sang the role of Brett Brangain. Um, her role was just the most remarkable uh, because it was higher than everything else. The music, I have to say, was pretty monotonous. And this opera was was really conceived as an oratorio. And it feels like an oratorio. Um, The chorus is on stage the entire time. Uh, They are the set design. There's no set design. They are the trees. They're the ocean. They're the cross. They're the uh, pallbearers. They're everything. And um, they had a lot of choreography that they had to learn along with the tons of choral music. Um, it was very recitation tone as far as music goes. So it's not like I feel like they were learning difficult melodies, but it sounded like the harmonies were complicated. Um, I have to say, I just did not care for this piece. Um, it was presented well enough. I got a little bit tired of looking at the same thing all the time. And I thought that the costumes were a bit unfortunate. Uh, They were sort of androgynous costumes so that every member of the ensemble looked alike. Uh, More flattering for women than it was for the men. Um, The leads were Bernard Holcomb, who uh, was part of the Ryan Opera Center. Uh, He sang the role of Tristan. And then Lonnie State uh, sang the role of Isolde. Um, They were fine. Um... I just think that Chicago Opera Theater is trying really hard to do something fresh and to maybe ride this wave of uh, more towards, you know, chamber productions. And it wasn't great. It was fine. And I love what they're trying to do. I, Like I said, I applaud the effort. Um, I want to be friends with all of them and I feel like they want to be young and they want to be cool and all these things. And I think that's right. Um, but I just didn't enjoy this show. I'm sorry to say. Here's a little clip <laughs> of Levant Herbe, which is from the COT website, just so you can get an idea of what this music sounds like.
So Levant Herbe has one more performance uh, on October 9th at 3 p.m. at the Music Box Theater. I say go check it out. Support them. It's not that expensive. Their whole thing is to try to make this more accessible. And uh, I like what they're trying to do. Um, and I think it's cool to hear an opera at the Music Box Theater. The acoustic is great. And go to hear Brittany Lowen because she really steals the show with that one scene. And then I don't need to help Lyric Opera with their production of Ryan Gold. People are going to see it. Um, people are going to love it. Uh, I thought it was great. And once again, uh, Laura Wildey for the win. Thanks, Oliver, for the check-in. I appreciate it. I'm excited to see both of these shows uh, going on Wednesday night with my main man, Tobias. I'm excited to see here. that. And then I'm going with my dad to the COT show oh, cool. on Sunday afternoon. How'd you, how'd you get him to go to that? Is your dad well, an opera lover? He is. My dad's a huge opera lover. Because I met him at a production of Trouble in Tahiti with Chicago Fringe. Exactly. He, he subscribes to COT and he subscribes to Great. Lyric and he just drives in from Michigan where my parents live. And uh, he and I kind of go on like a father-son date. That's so every cool. Show. Yeah, we go and have like a like a cheap and cheerful dinner, and then we go see the show, and he comes back, and he gets to see the kids, and it's it's great. Awesome. And there's a little bit of opera in the middle. Yeah. So. <laughs> opera box score on WNUR. Stick around. Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score, America's talk radio show about opera. Now I hear you say an opera ain't your thing, but get this. We tackle everything about opera and body slam it into a sports radio setup. The result? 60 minutes of in-depth analysis, outrageous opinions, and good, clean fun. You might even learn something. Opera class, sports radio crass. Join us for Opera Box Score Monday nights at 9 on WNUR. All right. I uh, I do want to get to the two-minute drill here. First, Tobias, I've got to say, man, your Chiefs, Sunday night football, were dominated so, by Pittsburgh. What's your excuse? Uh, George, you're wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers shirt. I am. We're going to post a say, photo on so I, You know what? I was so excited all day yesterday because yeah. I was like, I got the day off. The Chiefs are playing prime time. I'm going to sit on my couch. Maybe turn on some Christmas lights, have a fire. I don't even know what I was going to do. I was so excited. Right. And I didn't even get a chance to, like, settle in and be comfortable before the Steelers had gone up 15, not 14, because they <laughs> did go for two. They went up 15 nothing in, like, the first four minutes of the game. <laughs> oh, it was awful. Uh, you know, I heart Mike Tomlin. Dude, he's an awesome coach. Coach of the Steelers. He is this intense <clears throat> black man who has been in Pittsburgh for, oh, man. Ten well, years. I was going to say ten years. Ten probably. years. Won a Super Bowl. And, yeah. like, you listen to the guy talk, and I think one of my favorite things is when you hear someone talk, yeah. regardless of profession. Like, it's cool that he's a football coach, but it didn't. It doesn't matter. He could be an accountant, but he talks with such conviction. You're like, whatever, man. I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I've actually I've read books written by coaches to try and influence the way I direct opera. Have you ever read? Like what? Like who? Anybody in specific? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. John Wooden. Uh, I did read Wooden. Yes, that's the famous basketball coach, yeah. college basketball coach. Um, I'm trying to remember who. Else. Well, I've read Colin Cowherd's books. He's not a coach. He's a sports radio personality. Okay. But there's. I would. I should probably read Harbaugh. Actually, you mentioned Harbaugh earlier in the show. I should probably read his biography. Well, it's cool when you're like like Mike Tomlin, right? Or like great opera conductors. Yeah. People who know how to win just know how to win. People and who they, know how to motivate. People. Well, and. And they're leaders. To, exactly. to be a football coach and to be a great conductor, you are in charge of something much bigger than you, but you are the focal point, and it starts and ends with you um, as far as what direction everything goes. Same thing with being a director. I mean, as a yeah. director, you set the energy in the room. 
you are the man or the woman that is going to set the energy in the room. And frankly, coaches have to do that all the time in the locker room. Right. And that's why yesterday, you know, after the Chiefs get there, can I say the, can I say, but you can say, but okay. They well, got their after, butt after they got their butt kicked, you yeah. know, their coach said, that's on me. Yeah. I have to have them prepared to play, and they were not prepared to play. And that was it. That was the press conference. I had forgotten Andy Reid was coaching the Chiefs. I thought the glorious, my he, boy. When he tanked out in Philly, I thought that was the end of him. No, he's so. been great as the Chiefs coach. Yeah. All we do is put up W's, except for last night. Except for last night. Bears finally eke out a win as well, 17-14 over the Lions. If you're going to beat up on somebody at Soldier Field, it might as, well, might as well be the be Lions. somebody in your division. Yeah. Um. Hey, George. You know, we were talking about injuries earlier. Yeah. Can I read you something? You may. Okay, so uh, in preparation for tonight, I read, I did my master's at Northwestern University. I did it in voice, and mm-hmm. one of my classes that I had to take was vocal pedagogy. Right. And I have my health uh, chapter open here in my textbook, and I just want to read part of vocal health, uh, one of the main points that it makes. Okay. This, this book looks extremely boring. It's amazing. I, we're not going to post this on the website, but if no. anybody would like it, uh, just call me and I'll give All it right, to you. All right, hit me up to that. Okay. This is one of the top 10 things you can do to, for preventative health as a singer. Are you ready? Good to know. Go Wear ahead. your seatbelt. Wearing a seatbelt, <laughs> <laughs> and this is right above. This is above uh, don't sing if you're ill and know a good uh, laryngologist. Um, yeah. Um, okay, wait. I have to read the first point. Wearing a seatbelt is one of the simplest ways to prevent serious injury or death. If... You are in a car. Okay, so yes, we know that. If you're in a car accident while not wearing a seatbelt, your larynx is at high risk of being high risk of being crushed. This injury will permanently ruin your voice. And then, in parentheses, I'm, I kid you not, this is in a textbook that I used. Right. Uh, this injury will permanently ruin your voice. Parenthesis, not to mention your reduced likelihood of being cast as a romantic lead after your head and face have gone through the windshield. Stop. Parenthesis. Stop. This is, this is awful. The, I just wasted 30 seconds of airtime for that, and it was worth it. Well, that was that was pretty gross. The, the right? other thing that could save you mm-hmm. would be the, the two-minute drill. Two-minute drill. This just in, the two-minute drill. Time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know in two minutes tops. Sir Neville Mariner has died at the age of 92. He was the most prolific English conductor. He made more recordings than anyone except for Herbert von Karajan. He founded the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields in the mid-1950s, making it one of the first ensembles to play Baroque and early classical music at original pitch and tempi, though never on original instruments. The influential... Openwelt magazine has published its annual awards for 2016, and the winners include, for Director of the Year, Barry Kosky at the Komische Oper Berlin, for Production of the Year, Stockhausen's Donnerstag aus Licht, directed by Lydia Steyer, and for Opera House of the Year, Stuttgart, where the Intendant is Jossi Wieler. Copenhagen police have revealed that they've discovered 165 pounds of cannabis in the ventilation system under the Copenhagen Opera House's roof. Now, the discovery was made last February, but the police decided only now to go public with the search after the investigation yielded no results. That's the two-minute drill. And this is the best of WNUR programming. When I grow up, 
I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. I want to be a warm on a day. Football I want to be a bike that races around the country. I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Hey, sweetie. What's going on? Well, honey, I, uh, I have some news. Uh, okay. What? <laughs> All that training paid off. I got the job. Oh, I knew you would get it. So when do you start? When you donate stuff to Goodwill, you help provide job training for people right here in your community. Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Chris, you're not acting like a grown-up in our relationship. M2, M2! There's your comic book collection, the race car bed. I'm young at heart, but I put money into my 401k every paycheck. I'm taking control over my financial life, and that feels pretty grown-up to me. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. Are those footy pajamas? This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. And we are back on Opera Box Score. So, um, WNUR, by the way, George Cedarquist here with Tobias Wright. George, happy birthday. How old am I now? I don't know. How 33, old? I 33? think it is. We're, we're getting closer. 33. All right. <laughs> 33 it is for the next minute. Uh, so that's the two-minute drill. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you find interesting um, about that? Uh, you know what I thought was interesting, actually? Um, first, while we were talking about the opera, the world, the Opernwelt uh, awards, mm-hmm. um, and I thought it was interesting that Stuttgart, uh, the Opera House yeah. was the Opera House of the Year. Yeah, it's not Germany's biggest opera house. Uh, it's really not even the most beautiful, but it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird. It's I mean, okay. So first of all, Stuttgart is a pretty ugly city, right? It's this very industrial city. There's not much. Have you there. directed there? <laughs> Kidding me? No. <laughs> Darn it! I wanted I, to drink. <laughs> I know. I've, I've been there a number of times. Um, the city's kind of ugly. I mean, it's you know, Porsche obviously is based there. Mercedes Benz has a big factory there as well. The theater. It has the the biggest staff of any theater in Germany, so it is big in that regard. But mm-hmm. it doesn't have so many seats. But what is so great is um, Yossi Wieler, who's the intendant there. He is so good at getting phenomenal directors to direct there. Calixto Bieto, the Spanish Catalan director who uh, just did the San Francisco with uh, the Bizet's Carmen. Carmen. Exactly. It was in San Francisco, and then it was in Boston. Uh, P.S. That production is like twenty years old. It only goes to show how far behind we are in this country right. that that production's making a big splash but uh i've you know i see saw his work for the first time uh, in stuttgart mm-hmm. oh it okay. was great that's awesome so i you know i think i think they really deserve it of course as any big german and and, and that's why though they win awards like this yeah. because there's an innovative uh there's a vision a vision that is forward and uh, and and ahead, a few steps ahead of everyone else. That's exactly that's what right. it takes. These other winners, um, this makes total sense. For director of the year, Barry Kosky, he's Australian. He's the intendant at the Komische Oper, the in Komische Berlin, Oper? which is yeah. the comic opera. Now, the Komische Oper is interesting. Uh, it's in the former East Germany, and it used to be sort of the poor man's opera house. When right. you compare it to the Staatsoper and the Deutsche Oper Berlin, you know, these are two West German opera houses with tons and tons of.
of money. Right. And uh, Komisch Oper languished for years. Nobody wanted to go to it. And Koski took it over maybe five, ten, probably no more than five or seven years ago. And he insisted that all the work there be done in German, in the language mm. of the audience. That is not in and of itself that uh, of a crazy idea, you know, because it's always been the comic opera. It's, it's not a crazy idea, no. but it is you are eliminating a lot. Exactly. You know, and he insisted on it. Now, that, no, I should be clear. He would do operas in other languages translated into German. Into German, right. So the repertoire wasn't necessarily smaller. Mm-hmm. The other thing he did, though, is that he added musicals to the repertoire. I wonder who does that in the United States. I, I don't know. The Lyric Opera of Chicago. Not this way, though, dude. I mean, Lyric... What do you mean, then? Lyric Opera does... Uh, Their whole Oscars and, you know, they have the, the... What they do? Oklahoma, Carousel, Sound of Music. This year, they're doing My Fair Lady. They do it's like the various classical... This is true. But they but what they what Koski does at the Komischer Opera is he does the standard repertoire in the most wacky way possible. So he does it in the high, what we would say, Regie Theater yeah. style. And the people love it. They just love it. He's done uh, Kajo Fall there. He has done My Fair Lady. Did you know My Fair Lady is done all around Germany? Really? They love it. I always found that surprising. And I'll tell you why. Because this is a show, <laughs> Learner and Low right. musical, that is based on the idea of one's accent. Right? Eliza Doolittle has, has this accent, plebby, yeah. mm-hmm. commoner accent. And, um, oh, God, what's the... Oh, um, Henry Higgins is the professor. Henry Higgins. Exactly right. (laughs) Now, the joke, of course, is what what Koski and what people do with the production in Germany is that they give Eliza a Berliner accent. Okay. Which is supposed to be sort of lower class. And the Berliners have their own way of talking. They they have funny pronunciations, and they don't use the correct grammar and that sort of thing. Oh, that's fun. Koski has really tapped into us, and the work is just hilarious. And then lastly, this production of the year, Stockhausen's Donnerstag aus Licht, Thursday out of the light, I suppose, is the best translation. Mm -hmm. An epic. If you guys look look that up, the Donnerstag aus Licht, it's got got its premiere at La Scala in 1980. Um, there's a funny story there where they actually didn't perform the final act for the first five performances because of a negotiating deal with uh, the chorus and La Scala. Interesting. Um, okay. It's been at the Royal Opera House. I mean, it's been done. I'd never heard of it, um, so apparently it hasn't made it to the United States yet. <laughs> I can't imagine this show being done in the United States. It's so it's so wacky. It's so epic. It's so wacky and so wild and weird. This production is directed by Lydia Steyer. She was on the show last year when I was in Germany. Remember when I did that tour of Germany? I do. She's an old friend of mine. I interviewed her. You can go back into the archives. It's on our website, operaboxscore.com. Go back to the website. Uh, archives. Look for the show with Lydia Steyer. Now her production has won production of the year. I haven't seen the show. I beg, guarantee you, she deserves every ounce. Everybody of that praise that she's gold getting. Statue. Yeah, she is such a badass. She's such a great director. She is a powerful woman. This production, I think, is great. Fantastic. Uh, what about what about the Copenhagen? <laughs> yeah, forget yes. Neville Mariner. Yeah, we don't want to talk about Neville Mariner. No. For, forget uh, that. Copenhagen police find 165 pounds of hashish. That is, uh, George, that's like, <laughs> that's so much marijuana. <laughs> that is but a phenomenal amount of marijuana. It's also interesting that it was hidden in the air ducts of a brand new $500 million opera house. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not like this is like some yeah. hidden marijuana treasure no, that's no. been there for years and years. It's exactly. like, huh. 
I think it's awesome. I I only think it's awesome because of the absurd amount. That, that's George. How, what that, do you weigh? One hundred and thirty pounds. Wet. Yeah. Wet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> yeah, so it's more than my body weight in in dope. Uh, I guess that's how they hit the high notes. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it seems to me. Do you that, have any more? Well, it seems to me that the opera house has got a chronic problem. <laughs> <laughs> We just lost every we're listener we've ever had, but it was perfect. Well, they were all like starving and wanted Fritos, so right. I <laughs> they got the munchies after attending the Copenhagen Opera House. Maybe that's what they've been doing. They just they just burn it and they put it through the air ducts, and then everybody gets a contact high. That's exact, that's, that's why it was in the air ducts. Exactly, yeah. and so everyone's been enjoying the hell out of those shows <laughs> at the Copenhagen Opera House. Let's crunch the numbers. Subject to interpretation and analysis, let's crunch the numbers. Opera box score on WNUR. George Cedarquist here with <laughs> chronic problem. You like that? It killed you, dude. Uh, look, we've been working our way through the stats from Kim Whitman <sighs> over at Wolf Trap Opera. Thank you, Kim, for doing these lists. She's fantastic. So what she does is, if you weren't with the show last week, she records in great detail all sorts of statistics in the four voice types: soprano, mezzo soprano, tenor. Well, the five, really, baritone and then bass baritone, bass baritone. So it would be the fifth. Right. Uh, she records what arias people put down on the lists that right. they are able to sing, which aria they want to sing first. She looks at the breakdown of languages. I mean, these stats are make me extremely hot and excited. They, you know what? It's actually really interesting. And I know that you are a director, so you're on the other side of this when right. you're um, proctoring auditions and you get to hear them. And you, I, would, I think yeah. you, for your own research should really start doing this. Um, But as a singer, it's really interesting because it does give insight. You know, you always think, what is everybody else doing? Um, And I think this breaks it down in a way that really shows you what everyone else is doing that is applying for the same things you're doing. Mm -hmm. It also shows the insane monotony that takes place for someone listening to auditions I so mean, thank you kim I for just, I, that's why she did this had to be right yeah because she was so bored i think she yeah i mean i think she geeks out on it and and, and why not yeah right exactly well look let, let's run down the the top three so these are the most uh offered mm-hmm. arias here uh avant de quitter ces lieux and that which, is from faust by gnome yeah. right exactly uh, la causa Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, the, the Count's aria from Marriage of Figaro. And then this one surprised me. This one surprised me. Let's just play the clip of it, and it'll be sort of a micro-pop quiz, and we'll see if our, our listeners might know what this is.
baritone Chris Carr singing Mein Zainen from Eric Korngold's opera Die Tote Stadt. I could listen to that aria mm-hmm. all night. Well, and to sing it, <clears throat> to sing it, you have to have such uh, control yeah. of your breath. And then you have to be able to sing those long, I mean, they're long, long lines. And that's what you're showing when you when you pick an aria. Why? I mean, not every aria is going to show everything in your tool bag. Right. But why do you sing Meinzain? Um, it's because you. it shows that you can sing with legato. You can sing beautifully. And you can sing long phrases. I will say though, with that aria with the piano, man, that does not give you doesn't do it. Goosebumps doesn't the it way doesn't do it justice. Orchestra. I mean, no. that's what Corn Gold was really all about, you know. So avant de quitter, I Javinia la causa and Mainzain in the top three offered twenty five percent of singers all putting those out there. Three different languages as well too. I'm surprised. This is the runner up just by a nose. Largo al factotum Figaro's aria from the Barber of Seville. Mm-hmm. If you heard it, you might not know it by by that name, listeners, but if you heard it... But you know it. Figaro, 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 you would definitely, definitely know it. Um, and you know what? Something that I thought was uh, really interesting, we talked last week about tenors. Yeah. Um, and I think I still have it. Yeah, I do. The second, the second, uh, the runner-up in the frequency listed mm-hmm. in a four-aria package um, was Russian, and it was Kura Kura. Right. And um, I really theorized that the reason uh was because in the in the tenor anthology the popular tenor anthology that every young tenor has that right. has you know it's a it's an anthology it's not a regular score yeah Th- that's the only russian in there okay is it, Onyegin, or is it Onyegin? yeah uh, lensky and it's um, from Onyegin. right right it's lensky and uh so i think it speaks to the laziness of tenors to not expand <laughs> expand their own search for repertoire that it was the second highest one and then it got a little bit better here with the baritones maybe they just get better rep but there's no russian in the maybe top maybe they're just the smarter well let's not go that far you know i don't know maybe they just i know some pretty smart baritones but i also know some smart tenors here's the other thing i was surprised how low down on the list votratost was that is escamillo's Aria from mm-hmm. Bizet's Carmen. Mm-hmm. Again, if you let's just listen to it. It's the, also known as the Toreador right. song. Uh, uh, why is that so low? Why is it so? You know, uh, this is you know eight percent of people are offering this. Eight percent of baritones. I mean, that is compared to twenty over twenty five percent for those top three. Yeah, you know, I think there's there's a a certain point. At, as a singer where you can definitively say, I'm going to sing full lyric rep. Yeah. And I think when you start getting into to Bizet, Massonet, Puccini, that's when you've said that. Right. You know, because those, I mean, those are full lyric rep. And I think that, you know, there's still, uh, you can still be a lyric baritone or tenor or whatever and still sing full bodied with the early Verdi bel canto and with the Mozart. But truly you're making a, a shift there if you're singing Bizet. And I think that's probably why, because right. this is still a young artist program. Right. Um, that would be my guess. But what do I know? I'm I'm here. But it's your birthday, George. Aw, that's very, that's very kind of you. Happy well, 36th. It's getting warmer. <laughs> Appreciate the stats, Kim Whitman. Yeah, thank you, uh, Kim, so much. Come be on our show. Yeah, well, we'll try and we'll try and set that up, buddy. I think we got to wrap this thing up. Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. Oh my gosh, Tobias, it goes so fast. It does. It really just does. like the years. Uh, as we saw, yeah, don't start. <laughs> um, hey, look, good call, bad call. I'm gonna go first. Uh, the good call 
is this photo that I found of a production of The Elixir of Love. It's on our website, operaboxscore.com slash your take. Tobias Wright, I want you to go to our website right Please now. Please hold while you check um, check this photo. And I want to see in real time what you think of this photo. <laughs> you looking at it, dude? Yes. What do you think of that, man? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That is scandalous. Who is that? Operaboxcore.com. Can I describe slash it? Slash your take. Yeah, go for it. Um, well, it's, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mattia Oliveri is Belcore and Ilona Matarete, I don't know who that is, yeah, is know. Adina. But she's got some uh, scandalous, I, am I seeing boob? You're seeing boob, dude. She's topless. She is topless. And she's wearing like And this is little... Elixir of Love, huh? Yeah. yeah. One time, this is for you to drink. Okay. I, did I ever tell you this? I saw Traviata in Prague at the okay. Stadtnyoper, and they, for whatever reason, they're playing cards in Act 2, and then a bunch of people came out naked. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. Why is she naked here? It looks great. I don't know why Adina is naked in a shower. I want to be Belcore in this production. You're telling me, <laughs> no, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My mother probably is not going to listen to this show, but you know. You, you got a good call or a bad call this week? Uh, oh, God. Here's my good call. The okay. Chiefs played a primetime football game. Okay. Here's my bad call. Yeah, they, they man, lost. they got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good yeah. call. Yeah. I get to start singing a whole bunch soon. It's good. What are you doing? We're, a bunch of stuff, man. Yeah. You and I get to do some stuff yeah, together. Right. Find, yeah. Found that out. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to do some Flater Mouse. Going to sing some Madam Butterfly. Man, Busy little bee. Busy, That's great. Busy little bee. I guess if I had to have a bad call, I, I will say, going back to the Donnerstag aus list thing, uh, it was going to be live streamed on, eh, okay. the, on the TV in, in Basel. The, the production from the theater in Basel. And the... Stockhausen Estate said, no, we refuse. We don't agree with this production. We don't think Stockhausen would like it. And so we are going to ban this live That's broadcast. such BS. I hate when estates make decisions for dead people. Don't even get me started. Yeah, it's uh, bad. George, uh, I have another good call. Wait, eventually, there's a happy ending. Eventually, Lydia managed to convince them to let it go. So Hell yeah. Yeah. Good. That is all we got for happy tonight's birthday, show. Happy birthday. And also, you know what? Really quick before we go, a happy birthday to one of our other co-hosts and frequent collaborator and friend, our dear friend. And listen to his uh, podcast as well, Math and Black. He does doing the work. Just an awesome human, and we love him. And I love you, George, and happy birthday to you. Thank you, sir. Here on Opera Box Score, our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm on the web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. For WNUR, our programming director is Nick Anderson, and the general manager is Brock Stussy. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Search for Opera Box Score. Like our Facebook page, share our posts, and of course, troll us. Subscribe our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Hey, listen, leave a review. Let us know what you want to hear more of on the show. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera, but please, not with your mouth full of food. We're back next Monday night at 9 Central with a whole new show all about Richard Wagner. Don't miss it. Street Beat is up next. DJ Joe, you're listening to WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago, Chicago Sound Experiment.